0: Hello, I
1: am Jeremy Kingsbury, this is Way2Twog's Bagpipe and History podcast, the show where you come along with me as I explore the likely repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Let's listen to some tunes. So I've immediately broken my oath. To not do another episode until I finish writing this chapter. But uh, I realized that today, when I'm going to be posting this, the 20th, I think it's the one year anniversary since kind of rebooting the podcast. So uh, it seemed weird not to post or do something. So we're going to do that. So this is not going to be a typical episode. I'm not going to go to the mail coach or uh, do a bunch of research or. really talk about many connections of these tunes but uh, i am just going to play a whole ton of music Uh, i've got this new to me uh kohler quinn Pipe channer and it sounds just amazing i've been posting a fair number of videos and things to the facebook feed and instagram but the sound quality is just terrible on my iphone compared to what i can get on the zoom and what this chanter is capable of so uh that's what this episode is going to be sort of a hey we're a year in to having some pretty regular episode or yeah regular podcast episodes and i've got a new chanter that i want to share with you all so um so yeah that's what this episode is going to be so what tunes may you ask so we're really this could be titled uh and O'Farrell's Pocketbook Companion playthrough because most of this is from O'Farrell. Uh, a lot of these tunes are ones that I've either already had on the podcast or ones that uh, Jerry O'Sullivan has covered in his two albums of O'Farrell music. Um, and I, I think a lot of those I haven't played on the podcast just because there's already a, a really excellent recording of them. But I just, these are the tunes that kind of jump in my head and that I was enjoying playing. Um, so, like I say, most of these are from the first couple volumes of the Pocketbook Companions. So we're going to start with O'Farrell's Quick Step, then Gobbio, then the Hens Concert, then Carolyn's Concerto. Uh, then I'm going to jump a little bit to the volume four of The Pocket Companion, and we're going to hear Princess Royal, or Air by Carolyn, which is what O'Farrell calls it. Uh, then, jumping back in time, I'm going to play um, Carolyn's Farewell to Music. Uh, this is O'Farrell's setting from the National Tutor. It's interesting... He's got it in um, the Pocket Companions, too, but he, it's in a wildly different key. So the National Tudor one is quite a bit different than kind of how most folks play it these days in terms of what key it's in. I think it's like D minor or something like that, or G minor. I don't know. Don't read keys, but, uh, but it's tricky. Um, then we're going to go back to volume four. So 1810, this is O'Farrell's setting for Blush of Aurora. Uh, Then, to give us a little bit of a break, I'm going to go to William Dixon, play a a tune on the Banton border pipes. That's going to be Cuddy, Clawed Her. Uh, Then, because of the recent uh, days, I'm going to do St. Patrick's Day, first from Hibernian Muse in 1787, and then I'll play O'Farrell's slightly longer version from 1806. Uh, Then, also from O'Farrell, The Happy Mistake, and from O'Farrell, Pay the Reckoning, so yeah, I think, like I said, most of these I think we've already heard. But at this point I have like a I think an hour and 45 minute long like file open on Audacity that's just me playing a bunch of tunes on Ellen Pipes and a bunch of tunes on the Border Pipes, um, kind of recording the various live streams I've been doing the last little bit of time. So um, I just want to share some of that <laughs> with you all, but with the higher quality audio. Uh, and then we're going to finish out with uh, Seamus Ennis's sort of Seamus Ennis' setting for the Bucks of Oren Moore I'm not sure quite where that tune comes from. Um, it's already in O'Neill's back around 1900 or so, but uh, yeah, that's a common enough tune. I didn't really even look for music with it. Uh, anyway, in the spirit of getting this done quick, let's just start with O'Farrell's Quick Step. So yeah you can maybe kind of hear already but the so, so this chanter is amazing i love it uh it can it takes considerably less pressure than my uh set the villain pipes uh from dave poiver considerably less so i actually had to make some pretty significant adjustments to the drone reads um shortened up the tongues and added a whole mess attack to the um Blades to keep them open with such short tongues to get it kind of sounding fairly steady at this lower pressure. Um, but yeah, having such a low pressure chanter has been just really liberating for being able to bounce back and forth between octaves pretty quickly. Um, getting my grip on the chanter is still a little challenging, so occasionally I can hear little bits of air kind of wisping out from under my finger holes and. Um, I'm also, you know, part of it is getting used to the positioning. There's all these keys now on the channer that I, you know, feel like are in the way. Um, So that's taken some time to get used to too, which we'll hear me explore with a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, like I said, most of these tunes, uh, a lot of them were covered by Jerry O'Sullivan and his two um, volumes of O'Farrell tunes, which are really some great albums. And that's that's my first exposure to O'Farrell was, uh, I didn't have the tune book, but I had uh, Jerry O'Sullivan's first album and listened to it a bunch and started playing tunes by ear. I think the Mill Mill O was the first tune that, uh, yeah, the first tune that I picked up just from listening to, to Jerry's album. Uh, and then my mom got me the book for Christmas, like maybe 20 years ago now. Oh boy. It makes me feel old. Um, and then I just got sort of obsessed. <laughs> um, anyway, so quick step, uh, Jerry does a good version of, uh, and this next one too, uh, the gabio, although I have made some pretty significant changes to the way I play the gabio. It turns out, um, kind of mixing the gabio and durling up together maybe is my innovation or just my mistake uh by the way here is the gabio Next one, uh, another tune that's on O'Sullivan's album, and this one I have played on the podcast. This is uh, the Hens Concert, or at least I've played it as a Tune of the Day last year. Um, I'm thinking this this tune. I didn't realize that it was one of those kind of descriptive pieces at the time um, that I played it, and when I was talking about descriptive pieces way back when. Um, but when I sent it to my aunt-in-law and all of her friends listen to it they're like oh i can just hear that chicken i can hear the hen clucking away in this tune uh which is like clear as day when somebody points out like oh yeah that sounds like a chicken clucking um anyway good tune here's the hen's concert also from O'Farrell. Feel, having having this chanter makes me feel like i did my old chanter dirty and just didn't give it the time it needed and kind of the know-how to get it in tune like when this you know the, when the quinn chanter showed up yeah you know, there's rushes in it and all this stuff and like and i realized like oh yeah i had a rush for my chanter and i it fell out at a session one time and i never replaced it because i didn't like I think when I first put a rush in, it was, you know, Tim Britton was kind of working on my pipes and he put a rush in and it kind of helped a little bit with the tuning, but not so much that I could notice. Um, and like, I understood the philosophy of it, but it didn't sink enough. Like it didn't take hold enough for me to care and to get another one. So, um, anyway, I feel a little, feel a little bad about that. <laughs> um, but the chanter is, it's got such a hard read. Um, such a hard read in there now, I'm not sure. It's it's been interesting, like it's the perfect storm. For years playing that chanter, um, people would see me play um I remember specifically Ben Walker and then a um, bagpipe maker from Prague kinda complained that my instrument must be leaking because I was pumping so much. And I was like, No, the, the chanter's just hard. It's just a hard set of pipes. I'm like, oh no no, no nothing's that hard. You've got to leak. And, like, I did have a couple little leaks, but it still was hard. And now, like, I, you know, I go to, like, pump the, pump the bag full of air and it's full already because it takes so little, so little air. Um, But I think it also helps that when John Charles sent me uh, his border pipes to borrow, he included the bellows, which I think is a Kelleher bellows which are just incredible um so that that helps and i'm also trying to pay attention to what mikey smith said about like really extending your whole arm to get that that full amount of air in there and it really makes a difference rather than just doing those short little pumps that we, we tend to do with with the bellows anyway these are my tips and tricks i guess that i have stolen and gleaned on from Um, going to piper sundays and things uh anyway this next tune is one that i just absolutely adored but was really challenging with a high pressure chanter to to do the octave jumps and i was never really happy with my back d and this tune really requires a lot of back d stuff Um, so this is carolyn's concerto this is also from O'Farrell. this is O'Farrell's setting of it I did a lot of tuning by exploring, exploring around kind of false fingerings um, to the point now where I kind of prefer my A to sound quite a bit flat, uh, which is not a good habit to be in. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting with this channel, like figuring out, okay, no, gotta gotta finger these things correctly to get them to sound right. Uh, the other thing that's been different is all the keys. So I've had no keys for, you know, 20 plus years And now I've got five keys to deal with. And um, yeah, so that's been something I've been working on. And one of the things I was really happy to do uh, was to... I remembered there was a tune that O'Sullivan played that I really liked the sounds of. And when I went looking for it in the book, I just couldn't play it. And I realized that it was because he was using a keyed chanter. Uh, And so I went and did that. So this was uh, in... O'Farrell's book it's just called air by carolyn uh carolyn but this is uh princess royal is what everybody winds up calling it um anyway didn't didn't do any kind of deep dive like i said this is sort of just me playing tunes so uh anyway so here is um error by carolyn or princess royal this was a really fun tune to play uh, and it uses i guess just one key um and it's kind of slower, so it's manageable. But uh, it definitely took me about a, part of a week to get comfortable with it. If i if you can even call it. guess technically there was two uh two keys in there Use the high c key as well um yeah cool tune just really really lovely tune also supposedly written by carolyn lots of carolyn tunes in O'Farrell's pocketbook and lots of carolyn tunes that i'm a fan of uh, including the next one so when i was looking for you know tunes to just play and i wanted to hear something pretty uh Somebody posted a video of uh, a rendition of Carolyn's Farewell to Music. And my buddy, um, Dan Nolan, had played it on Whistle, I think, a couple months ago, kind of early in the pandemic. And it's just such a lovely tune, but it always had this sense of, like, I don't think I can play that you hear other instruments do it. But um, I was kind of surprised that it's in O'Farrell. And not only is it in O'Farrell, but it's in O'Farrell's twice. So in the National Tudor... Uh, he has it in, I think, D minor, some really wild scale, uh, wild key, and then in the Pocketbook Companion, he has it in like kind of normal, standard fare, uh, what what most people play it today. Uh, so this isn't in uh, Jerry Sullivan's O'Farrell albums, but he does do, uh, he does play um, Carolyn's Farewell to Music. Uh, I think, I think in Jerry's first album. Uh, he plays it on whistle there. Uh, anyway, so I, I went through played it on the national uh, played the national tutor version, which uses just so many keys and it's such a funky sounding way to play this tune. Um, but it's it's really really awesome. So I don't know. I, I w- if I was doing a research episode, I would have spent time trying to track this story down to see if it's true. But I've definitely been uh, kind of enchanted by the the tale of this tune. Uh, where supposedly Caroline was feeling quite like ill or kind of felt like something was going to come soon that he wasn't going to live much longer and he returned essentially home to kind of his friend and uh patron's house and said that he was you know come home to die basically and then composed this tune performed it for a bunch of people and then went up to his room and died like a week later or something along those lines um it's the story is written up in the tune arc entry for it but i'm not sure the traditional tune archive uh, entry for it but like i said some of those stories i always feel like i, I want to corroborate a little bit more before spreading them as fact but this isn't a normal episode this is just me sharing my new chanter uh, anyway so here is carolyn's farewell to music from O'Farrell's national tutor and we might do the other version on a future episode as well That tune is absolutely beautiful and such a haunting thing uh, that I don't want to follow it with more Ellen pipes. So let's take a break. Uh, I'm going to play a tune from uh, Matt Seattle's William Dixon book again. This is Cuddy Clawed Her. Uh, this is another tune that I'd, you know, if this was a normal episode, I'd want to revisit some. Um, based on the liner notes, this tune maybe belonged in my kind of um 18th century sexual slang episode um and there's a pretty gnarly setting in james oswald that i'm gonna try to do either on pipes or just on whistle for the future so we'll probably hear this tune again uh anyway here's cuddy claude her i'm not pleased with the sound errors in there a little crackling um it's really frustrating sometimes i will have to just you know well, well when i went to make the album last year there are all these just amazing tunes whatever the oyster ran has like nearly 40 tracks on it so it's it's okay that i had to cut some things but a lot of my favorite tunes didn't make it on the album um just because there was an error in the recording either a little crackling sound or um kind of a clipping or peaking whatever you call that and uh, yeah it was so I had to scrap it and so I can hear that a little bit with the border pipe track which is a bummer but the good news is I got funding this summer Uh, I got a fellowship to uh, kind of work on at the the digital the digital studio here at the University of Iowa uh, with the goal of kind of developing a public-facing podcast aspect of my dissertation um, but part of that is going to be kind of learning a little bit more nitty gritty of podcasting engineering. I hope, um, I'm going to be sort of designing a little bit of my own reading list, I'm sure to quite get out of it what I need. So, uh, anyway, so here's hoping that these sound error things are going to be somewhat in the past, um, in the not too distant future. That's a dumb way to say that sentence. Uh, anyway, so let's play The Blush of Aurora next. So this is another tune that I've always really loved out of um, O'Sullivan's albums. Again, from from O'Farrell. But uh, something about this tune, it always... A lot of those O'Farrell tunes just feel like... They feel like they belong at a ballroom and bath. And he's got several tunes that are from a ballroom and bath, which I'll be playing at some point. I've got... At this point, I actually have all the tunes recorded for the bath episode. I just need to do the research to figure out kind of what to say about it. Um, But yeah, this tune in particular, Blush of Aurora, when I was talking about it, I always felt like I could smell spermaceti candles and like sherry wine being consumed um, and a bunch of people sweating and dancing to this just because it just feels like a tune that is in a crowded ballroom. Um, maybe as an intermission. I'm not sure that it'd actually be too too terribly fun to dance to. Uh, anyway, so here is Blush of Aurora on Pipes, and I went ahead and added a track of me playing it uh, along on Border Pipes too. It's sort of one of the cool things about, you know, having some in-tuned instruments. Uh, doing this, <laughs> like, this is how I realized that I was playing my A wrong on my Pipes and that it was always flat, because the first time through, every note sounded perfect, except for an, uh, an a that gets held sounded god-awful because my ellen pipes were playing an a flat um and so i wound up re-recording it after you know doing some tuning and adjusting my fingering uh and then now a bunch of the other notes sound a little off but that a sounds better <laughs> so it's all yeah anyway so here is blush of aurora as a duet i guess do love though is that wall of drone sound with the, the three d drones going on the allen pipes and then the um i guess it's two there's two a drones going on the border pipes at the time just awesome definitely want to do some experimenting around with getting all of the drones that i have going at once and trying to make a musical chord um that'll be awesome uh, okay next track here. So it's just St. Patrick's day. It's sort of what kicked off the podcast last year was, uh, I did a live stream for St. Patrick's day. It was so early in the pandemic that like a bunch of people showed up, uh, to the live stream. Cause nobody, everybody was home. It was like tiger King days. Um, God, maybe it was even before tiger King. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, St. Patrick's day recently. So here is the tune St. Patrick's day, which is supposedly also written by Carolyn. And this is from hibernian muse uh which is publication i think from london of lots of irish tunes uh so this is from 1787 and then we'll do a version afterwards here is O'Farrell's setting for the same tune with a couple variations. tunes i play and the more like kind of mid 18th century musicians that put a ton of variations on things the more i appreciate o'farrell like his variations are like doable and sound really nice and simple i guess that makes sense he's writing them for the ellen pipes as opposed to mcgibbon who's not (laughs) but anyway good stuff let's do the next tune here is uh the happy mistake also from (music) o'farrell all right and then one more tune this one has really been on the podcast recently um it's been this season even but anyway here is pay the reckoning which is also known as jackson's bottle of brandy or bobbing for eels that o'farrell just has it as pay the reckoning Second to last tune here, so our last one from O'Farrell, anyway, um, so this is The Fall of Paris, which I played last year, kinda in the middle of the summer, but, uh, uh, yeah, this is a good time to mention that my regs aren't set up yet for the Chanter, so I can hit the regs and they're in tune, but the, like, again, the volume and pressure is quite a bit off, so I'm gonna have to do some tinkering. So here is a reg-free Fall of Paris. I suppose it's fitting that this has been a rather rambly episode, uh, not nearly as polished as uh, I've tried to make them recently. Because, uh, like I said, this isn't really an episode. I'm not really doing this because I've got to write that chapter. Um, so, anyway, going out because this is the you know one year anniversary of kicking things off, and I remember on the first episode of kind of season four, I was so happy. Uh, you know, it's. Barely 30 what is it it's like barely 90 days into uh, playing a tune every day for the year and i had finally figured out bucks of more and it just felt like this huge revelation and as i was figuring out bucks of more i all of a sudden was able to like hit the regulators too uh, so we're going to go out on that. Uh, my setting for Box of War and More is sort of just from looking at the session and looking at traditional tune archive, but mostly just listening to uh, that video of Seamus Ennis playing it where when he finishes it, people in the crowd are so excited. One dude reaches out and grabs his arm that's hitting the regulators like, yeah, way to go, man. And every time I see it, it just makes me cringe like, oh, the regulators, man. Uh, anyway, so here's Bucks More thanks everybody for listening and hanging in there and um, yeah, still probably gonna take another week off, if not two, I kinda timed this okay, hell or high water, I'm gonna write this chapter poorly, cause I'm, I'm having to grade a bunch of things at the same time, so um, but yeah, hopefully I can get grading done and um, get everything back on track and get the podcast going in a week or two, um yeah, but meantime there's lots of backlogs of a uh, big backlog of, of episodes to listen to and they start getting pretty good I think around like the 10th or 12th episode of season 4. Um maybe you could skip those first several, I don't know. Um a lot more rambling like this one has been. Anyway, here is me playing The Box of Ormmore on my new Kohler Quinn Chatter. And I look forward to hearing from y'all later. <laughs>